The team that improved the most at the trade deadline was the New York Mets. Let's look at their top 10 prospects and the future. You are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on in to Locked on MLB Prospects, your home for all things minor league baseball. I'm your host, Lindsey Crosby, freelance baseball writer and podcaster. Thank you for making this your first listen every single day. We're probably part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. And I want this to be your show. If you have questions, comments, show ideas, tons of ways to get them to us. Best one's probably the subtext. Links in the episode description, links in the show notes. Lots of fun things go exclusively to the subtexters, including links to our new prospect rankings. Today, New York Mets is the very first one because they did so much improvement at the trade deadline, going out and getting tons of prospects. And some of these guys, folks, we've already talked about on this show. We've already broken down Drew Gilbert. We've already broken down Luis Angel Cunha. We've already broken down Ryan Clifford. And if you're on audio, that's the July 31st show. If you're on YouTube, there's going to be a link right here. You can click to go watch that segment talking about those guys. We actually have Drew Gilbert. I have him as the number one prospect in this system with Luis Angel Cunha right behind him at number two. And I've got Ryan Clifford at number six. But there's three guys in the middle between Acuna and Clifford. And that's the three I want to get to here. Ronnie Mauricio. Jet Williams, and Alex Ramirez. So Ronnie Mauricio is the one who is the highest level of all of those as far as he's playing in AAA, has been all year. And 97 games for Ronnie Mauricio, the shortstop, in AAA. 289, 338, 479. 16 home runs, 44 extra base hits, 25 walks to 82 strikeouts, and 19-24 on stolen bases. Uh, getting it out of the way defensively. So on the rankings, I have I have him listed as a shortstop slash second baseman slash outfielder. Uh, we've seen him play some of everything this year. Uh, as far as all three of those positions in AAA, trying to build some positional value. He has a plus arm, but he hasn't played third base because most of the errors that he's made have been throwing errors. It's a big arm, but it's inaccurate. And so despite that, he's not playing third base. Plus, for the longest time in AAA there, you had Brett Beatty, who was at third base, and you you had other options for that. But for Mauricio, I have him as a, uh, right now, a 50 future value. He could debut this year. We just genuinely don't know, especially with what's going on in the sell-off. And if the goal is to lose games so that you can uh, get a top six draft pick, then obviously you're going to have to figure out, uh, does... Ronnie Mauricio help you do that or not. But the thing that he did this year in AAA is he got better with the strikeout rate and he got better at the power output. He's always been a guy that had massive exit velocities, right? When he connects with the ball, he could absolutely launch it. The issue was, and the everydayers can say it with me, your power tool is only as good as your hit tool. He has struggled to get that power into games. And a lot of it would manifest in strikeouts. A lot of it would manifest in suboptimal contact. He's gone in and he's got better with the power output 
He's got better with the strikeout rate. He still chases too much, but the numbers look better than they have in the past. The average strikeout rate in AAA for all hitters with, I I think I'd set the filter to 200 plate appearances to try to get out like rehab starts and stuff. 22.1% is the average strikeout rate in AAA. He's gotten it down this year, his strikeout rate down to 18.7%. Now the flip side of this is the average walk rate in AAA is 11.9%. Running ratio is at 5%. He's going to be one of those low on base, high power output guys that if you're lucky, he's going to he's going to hit 30 home runs, but he's going to strike out 150 times. That's the guy that you're looking at here. His zone contact is just about just better than average. 83.4% is the average zone contact in AAA. He's at 86.8%. So Mauricio is right there around it. Barrel rates right there around average. 7.6 is Ronnie Mauricio's number. 7% is AAA average. The big difference and the big overall limiting factor in what he's going to be able to do, and conversely, the thing that if he can fix it will help him take that next level, is chase. He's cut down what he does as far as chase, but it's still really high, right? 28.5% is the AAA average for chase rate. And again, I believe I set that filter to 200 plate appearances. Ronnie Mauricio is at 39.2%. So it's still very high chase, and that's ultimately going to be the limiting factor for Ronnie Mauricio going forward. Uh, Right behind him in the rankings, I actually have Jet Williams over Alex Ramirez. They're playing both in the lower minors, and there's some interesting differences to these guys. But Jet Williams, 79 games in A-ball as a 19-year-old, 249, 422, 410. Six home runs, 24 extra base hits, six of those are triples. 69 walks to 76 strikeouts, 32 with 38 on stolen bases. Plus speed, arm is just necessarily average. He's splitting time, not evenly, it's 80-20, 80% shortstop, 20% in center field. I ultimately see him as a center fielder, uh, simply because it's like that's just the profile that feels like it fits best for him. And the question here is, what is the power ceiling going to be for Jet Williams, Right. He's got really good contact. He optimizes the quality of contact. When he makes contact, he makes it worth it. But overall, he's a bit limited in the power ceiling I'm worried about because of he's one of those, he's 5'8". He's one of those small stature guys. Conversely, you look at a guy like an Alex Ramirez and Alex Ramirez, one, I think is a true outfielder. Let's just, but he's 6'3", 170. He has the profile. He should be able to give you above average, if not plus power, but he hasn't been as effective at hitting for power in high A as Jet Williams was in single A. So 93 high A games for Alex Ramirez at age 20. So a year higher and a year older. 247, 343, 52 also has six home runs, 25 extra base hits. 47 walks to 86 strikeouts and 18 to 24 on stolen bases. There's things about Alex Ramirez that confuse me, right? Looking at the defense, he has a, we, scouting reports, things like that. We had him as a plus arm, but if he's a plus arm and the speed's average or so, then why, when he doesn't play center field, why is he in left and not right? 72 games in center, 17 in left. If the arm really is a plus arm, why isn't he in right field? Why is he in left field? Were we just wrong on the plus arm thing or has it regressed a bit? 
I haven't seen enough to tell you if it's regressed or not. But you've got that there. And then Alex Ramirez needs to work on the chase, right? Lowering the chase and having better pitch recognition. And he does a decent job as far as balls versus strikes, but it all comes down to that second level of pitch recognition, focusing on a drivable pitch. This is a strike, like ball versus strike is level one. Strike versus drivable pitch, a pitch I can do damage on, that's level two. Hunting your pitch, whatever you want to call it. A hit strikes hard is what the Yankees called it for a while there, the organization. But for Alex Ramirez, that's the next step that he has to get to. Because again, the power is the, the power is above average to plus. He, he just has to get it into games. And uh, one, I want to see, I want to see if he can play right field instead of instead of left. And then two, I want to see that power get in a little better because of better pitch recognition. In just a minute, we're going to talk about the pitchers in this system. It's definitely not the strength, but there's some really interesting guys, and we'll do that next right here on Locked on MLB Prospects. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at BetterHelp. Uh, if you have never tried therapy, it's a very useful tool to help you understand what you're going through and why you're reacting the way you are to it. We talked yesterday and yesterday showed in the third segment about how difficult baseball is mentally, how much of a mental grind it is, because it's a game that's built around failure. A surprising number of MLB teams, college teams, but baseball athletes in general have some work that they have done with, with mental coaches to help them internalize and understand dealing with that failure and the how to keep thinking positively while they're playing this game. And if an, if an elite athlete thinks that talking to a mental health professional can help them, then it's probably something that can help you too. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. Entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, suited to your schedule. So you fill out a brief questionnaire, you get matched with a licensed therapist. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge because the secret to therapy is you got to vibe with your therapist. If you don't vibe with your therapist, it's not going to work. BetterHelp makes sure that you can do that. So let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnMLB to get 10% off your first month to date it. That's BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnMLB. So when looking at the pitchers in this New York Mets system, it's something where you pick up right there at number seven with Mike Vasile. And then I've got, once you get into the teens, Blade Tidwell and Christian Scott at 11 and 13. And there's some guys in the middle we'll get to hopefully later in the show. Can't guarantee. But for Mike Vasile, one of those success stories, and again, another situation where he's the guy who is highest in the in the minor league system right now, given the fact that he is in AAA. He's got 18 games on the season between AA and AAA at age 23. 2-3, 496 ERA in 81 and two-thirds innings. 95 strikeouts, so 10.5 per nine, to 28 walks, 3.1 per nine with 15 home runs allowed. Now, he has struggled in AAA as far as locating. 20 of his 28 walks are in AAA, despite having more starts in AA than AAA. So, clarifying that up front. But he's been able to 
really he's got these two pitches that he's been able to get up to probably I'd say plus and then bring in two others to at least average that he can throw for strikes. So it, like most pitchers, it's centered around the fastball. It's a plus pitch. He, uh, it sits in the mid-90s. He can touch 98 with it. Very much a four-seam fastball. Again, one of those pitches effective up in the zone. I don't have all the detailed information as far as approach angle and things like that. But when he elevates it, good things happen. The slider, I'd call it a plus pitch as well, sits in the uh, the high 80s. And to me, looks like a cutter at times. I don't know if he's intentionally manipulating the shape of it to be something where he can give it more break or he can throw it as a cutter or if that's inconsistency. But either way, it works. And it's it grades out as plus. I do want more information about if he's intentionally manipulating that or not. But to go along with that, he's got a vertical breaking curveball, 12 to 6 curveball. I think it's at least above average. A lot of places have it as average. I think it's at least above average. And then he's got a changeup that's probably pretty decidedly average. Really, more of a, he can throw to both sides of the plate. He doesn't have any significant platoon splits. And going into the year, he really felt like he was a number five starter or a fastball slider reliever. And I think that he's played his way into at least being, if nothing else, at least being a number four to possibly number three. So I like what Mike Vestile has been able to do for the Mets. And again, I have him as the number seven prospect in this system. You might see him this year. I don't know. Given how much he struggled to throw strikes at AAA and how, many, how much walks that he's given up there, I don't know if they'll bring him up for a cup of coffee this year or if it'll be next year. I'm a big fan of a couple starts at the end of the year, work on things in the offseason, and go for a Rookie of the Year campaign the next year. I don't know how that works with the competitive window, but either way, I think Mike Vestigal is a talented player. Uh, it just doesn't necessarily feel like they're going to bring him up this year. They might just wait until next year to do it. Uh, the next guy, Blade Tidwell. I've got him sitting right there at number 11 and 18 starts between high A and double A at age 22. He's eight and four with a 3-2-6 ERA in 85 and two-thirds innings. 114 strikeouts for Blade Tidwell. So 12 strikeouts per nine, 250 walks, 5.3 per nine, and eight home runs allowed. He was just promoted to double A, so just about every single bit of those stats, I think all but one start, are in high A. So that's mostly high A stuff. And when you're watching Blade Tidwell, the thing is, it all keys off of that fastball. Now, you knew when he came out of Tennessee, he had a really good fastball. Second rounder last year. But Blade Tidwell's fastball uh, sits 98-99. He can carry the velocity pretty deep into start. So I, I'm, I've been impressed by the stamina. And he, he's he got the size, 6'4". Doesn't necessarily have the weight. He's about 205, 210 or so. But he's got the size. Can probably put on a little bit extra there, which could help him throw pitch 100 at 99 miles an hour. But to go along with that, he's got a plus slider and it's a true sweeper. Sits in the mid 80s and he's not afraid to throw it uh, to batters of either handedness. And that that's good because you see a lot of sweepers have really big platoon splits. He's not afraid to throw it to both lefties and righties. But I do get worried he like... He hasn't really, it hasn't hurt him yet when you look at the platoon splits, 
but I'm worried that he doesn't really have anything that moves arm side, right? He has a curveball. He has a change. Neither one of them, uh, like both of them have more vertical movement than anything else. And neither one of them are that great. And so I don't know if the next step for Blake Tidwell is work on a two seamer, try to make the change, the change up grip. I'm not sure what it is. Cause again, it hasn't really hurt him yet. But I think that it has the the ability to hurt him as he gets into the upper minors and doesn't have anything that's going to move away from the bat of a lefty. So a little bit of a concern there. But I do like the sweeper. I do think it's a good sweeper. And it's something where you can tell with the fastball, the Mets made a deliberate change. Back when I used to watch him in, in college at Tennessee, he was very much, he wanted to work down. He wanted to work away and keep you from squaring up the fastball. They want him to throw it up in the zone, and they want him to attack batters in so that it's harder for them to turn on it and get the barrel on it. Again, I feel like that's going to be a problem as he moves up and he gets lefties, because if you miss with that, you're probably going to end up hitting the lefties and giving guys free bags. So I want to see Blade Tidwell work on something that goes the other direction, but I like what he's done. I like what he's able to do. I've got him right now as the number 11 prospect. We need to see more in the high minors, and I need to see some more uh, arm side movement before we can move him up on there. And then a guy that's jumped up to, for me, number 13, is Christian Scott. 16 games this year between A-ball, high A, and double A. And no surprise if you've listened to this show before, he went to the University of Florida. So there you go. We've been clear on the show how we don't think Florida can develop pitchers that well. But 16 games for Christian Scott between A ball, high A, double A. Four and four, 293 ERA in 76 and two thirds innings. 94 strikeouts, so 11 strikeouts per nine to only 12 walks, 1.4 per nine, and five home runs allowed. Now, in college, was a sinker slider guy, right? Slider was really good. He, had, he was a bulldog. He had tons of confidence. He was aggressive. He swapped from a, from a sinker to a four-seam fastball because analytically, the four-seam fastball works a lot better with what he's doing than the sinker did. Weird that Florida couldn't figure that out. But, uh, so the fastball sits 95 or so. He can touch 97, 98 with it. Uh I think there's a little bit more in there as he gets used to throwing a four-seamer more often. And uh, to go along with that, the slider is somewhere between above average and plus. Uh, it's It would be plus if it were a little more consistent. He misses with it just enough where I'm hesitant to cl- click it over to a plus pitch. His curveball is a vertical breaking curveball. He's got a change up as well. And I think that he can throw all four of them four strikes. He's looked really good. You see how low the walks are. I'm really excited to see what he can do here in double A, how deep he can go into games, how he handles these better pitches. He had been using the the changeup was his main weapon against lefties, but it wasn't a swing and miss pitch. It was a chase pitch. And as we know, when you jump to double A, oftentimes it can be tough to get those guys to chase. So we're going to see what happens there. But in the meantime, really excited for Christian Scott. Uh, I do think he's the guy who's most likely next time we revisit this, probably in the spring like we did last year, 
He's probably the guy most likely to jump from 13 into the top 10 simply because he's got a bunch of tools. He's just about to hit that struggle bus moment a lot of players have over they jump into double A, they get into the upper minors. In just a minute, let's talk about the competitive window, go through the actual top 10 and figure out where some of these guys might play. We'll do that next right here on Locked on MLB Prospects. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at eBay Motors. For a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit, and it's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay's guaranteed fit, you can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to My Garage and look for the green checkmark to know the part will fit or your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. So get the right parts, the right fit, and the right price on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers, eligible items only, exclusions do apply. Okay, so going over the top 10 that we have for this New York Mets team, uh, number one, I've got Drew Gilbert the center fielder that they got uh, from the Astros in the Verlander deal with Luis Angel Acuna as the number two. A lot of prospect places, like that's the common, which one do you have first? I've got Gilbert, probably a 55 future value and Acuna a 50 future value. So that's that for me. Not everybody's the same feeling. I've got Ronnie Mauricio at three, Jet Williams at four, Alex Ramirez at five, and then first baseman Ryan Clifford, the other part of that Justin Verlander deal, I have him at six. Again, the July 31st show covers, the July 31st and the August 1st show will cover the returns for Scherzer and Verlander if you want more on some of those prospects like a Gilbert, like a Acuna, like a Clifford. Number seven, I've got right-hand pitcher Mike Vasile. Number eight, 2023 draftee Colin Houck. I've got Marco Vargas from the Marlins at number nine, and Kevin Parada, the catcher, at number 10, with after him where you see some of these pitchers. Blade Tidwell at 11, Christian Scott at 13. But it's really interesting when you look at their public comments about when this team is going to be competitive. Uh, the front office, everything from, from Steve Cohen, the GM, they've talked about 2023, obviously not the year. 2024 is probably not the year. They took trade offers on guys who, whose contracts expired in 2024. And so when you look forward and you look at 2025, what is this team going to look like? And it's a really interesting conversation because you've got a lot of options. You've got some guys that are signed long-term. What does that do? How, does, how complicated does that make things? I've got a couple guys are locked in. Francisco Lindor is probably locked in as your shortstop because of how much money he's making. Francisco Alvarez, locked in as your catcher because he's really good. Brett Beatty, I've got him locked in as your third baseman. And then outside of that, Jeff McNeil and Brandon Nimmo have jobs, but where are they playing? That's what's hard here. Because if you think about right now, you've got what Nimmo in center and McNeil at second. A lot of your top prospects are center fielders and second baseman. Luis Angel Acuna, I have him as a second baseman. Mauricio is a shortstop or a second baseman or a left fielder. Jet Williams, I have as a shortstop or a center fielder. Ramirez is a center fielder. We thought maybe right, but possibly a left fielder. And so, oh, and then Ryan Clifford at first base. And so it's okay. 
who plays where. And I think part of the conversation depends on what happens to Pete Alonso's contract is up after 2024. He has not yet signed an extension. And so what is the solution here? Uh, does he come back or does he leave? If he is gone, then you have a situation where I could see Beatty at third base. I can see Vientos at first base. Clifford is another option. Maybe Clifford and Vientos share first base and DH. Not sure how that's going to work out. If you assume McNeil is going to stay at second, Drew Gilbert's your center fielder, and I think he'll, he's probably getting called up in mid to late 2024 if they're smart, which I feel like they are. They're going to give him just enough time to get his feet wet, but then do a Rookie of the Year campaign for 2025. If Gilbert's your starting center fielder, I'm assuming Brandon Nimmo would kick out to left field. And if he does that, does he have the power to be your everyday left fielder? That's typically a position you'll give up a little bit of defense to get a little bit of power from. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what they do there. This season, McNeil's played second. He's played left. He's played right. While Nimmo has been pretty hardcore into center. Does Ronnie Mauricio move to the outfield? If he does, he play right field because he does have a big arm. It's not as accurate as it needs to be, but maybe being in the outfield makes it either minimize your exposure to the inaccuracy or maybe that mitigates the inaccuracy somewhat because I, I don't know. Like, I don't necessarily know how this works. I can see a starting nine of Beatty at third, Vientos and Clifford sharing first base in DH, McNeil and Lindor in the middle infield, and then Nimmo in left, Gilbert in center, Mauricio in right, with Alvarez behind the plate. Now, is that a good enough one through nine for you to win a World Series? I don't necessarily know. The other thing that I don't know is which of these pitchers are able to make that front of the rotation impact. You're going to have Cody Singa for a while. You'll have David Peterson and Tyler Miguel for a couple more years. I don't know if there's anybody right now that profiles as that front of the rotation option. But at the same time, we've seen Steve Cohen not be afraid to spend money on a top of the rotation option. So is this something where if you can build a bunch of number three pitchers, then you can see Cohen supplement with an expensive free agent or two. I think that's absolutely likely. And maybe they have some faith in a guy like an Eliezer Hernandez to end up stepping up and being a starter once he comes back from, I think it's a peck injury right now. But there's a couple options. Justin Jarvis is a guy they got from Milwaukee in July. There's a couple options to fill out the rotation in 25. But Who's at the front of it? That's the big thing I don't know. Because I don't think right now you have a guy in the system that profiles as a number two. Never mind as a number one. Fantastic week coming up this week. We've got more of these coming. We're going to do one for the White Sox. They were part of this. We're going to do one for the Reds. Had multiple requests for that. Reminder, subscribers to our subtext have the link to all of the rankings as they come out. They get early access to that. If you want to be a member of the subtext, you can also send in questions for the mailbag, show ideas, Links in the episode description, links in the show notes. Until tomorrow's show, remember, it's always a great time to pay a money.